Powered by Red Media in partnership with TSN, it is episode 22 of season 5 of the Rain Drags Hockey Podcast, and it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the CC Invitation Series, that's the 15-year-old Sherry Cask. Signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Cask. Perfect. And time for the holidays. So I'm in Ottawa, Ray. Um, spent a few days in Seattle for the uh, NHL Board of Governors meetings, which we'll get into in headlines a little bit later. Um, but as you know, because you travel extensively, it's really not that easy to get from Seattle to Ottawa. There's there's some nope. maneuvering required. So talk about first world issues. But I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, this would annoy you. So, hey, at great expense, book a business class ticket. Gets me to Seattle, back to Toronto. Then I change and I fly from Toronto to Ottawa. Anyway, on the flight back from Seattle to Toronto yesterday, okay. it's, it's a morning flight. Uh, how many times have you had the Air Canada omelette? Like a hundred? Okay, honestly, a hundred. Two hundred. I actually thought. I actually thought this yesterday because I talked to the flight attendant. Yeah. And this year they changed it from the cottage cheese red pepper. Yeah, uh, yeah Thing yeah. on the side to like some hash brown <laughs> sort of things. Yes, yes, yes. So I was thinking as I was eating the omelet yesterday as well as I was flying here to Washington. I I'm conservatively going to say 250 times I've had that omelet <laughs> and it's, it's at the point, my brother-in-law, he, he works, you know, he's in the corporate world and he flies air Canada frequently. So he'll send pictures of the omelet when he is flying somewhere. And I said, you know, the point being, yep, here's another one. So I bet you our family has eaten it eating that omelet 500 times well i'm so glad i brought this up and here's why um so i'm with gino retta and i'm with uh, chris johnson pierre lebron you know we're, we're in the seattle airport ready to board and i'm you know look I, it's not the greatest omelet you've ever had but you know we've had it and i was kind of looking forward to it so i get on the flight um again paid for the business class ticket didn't upgrade bought the ticket so i'm in row two ray row two Elliot Friedman and Chris Johnson yep. are a row behind me. So the flight attendant asks, well, what will you be joining us for breakfast? I said, yes, I'll have the omelet. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, the omelet isn't available. I'm like, um, okay. Uh, and my heart sank and I'm stuck with French toast. I'm not eight. I don't want French toast. Right. Anyway, here's where but, gets... hang on. I got to interrupt you. You don't need to be eight to enjoy French. I know. French well... toast is a winner at breakfast. Are you kidding me? Okay, here's where I get snarly, though. I'm disappointed, but you know, whatever it happens, you know, it's not always available. Chris Johnson and Friedman get omelets in the row behind me. So the omelet because was they have a... higher status. I bought the ticket. They upgraded. How does that work? So I understand the flight status routine, but if I pay $3,000 for a business class ticket, then the stiff behind me who upgraded using points shouldn't get my omelet. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but okay. I'm going to say if, if, the difference, if the difference is in that price of the ticket, you getting an omelet or French toast, 
if, if that's your only <laughs> like if that's giving you the juice of the ticket i i think you're looking at it's the seat i thought you'd you be could probably survive i thought you'd be sympathetic uh, you're not even a little bit no you know what you know what i thought this was going to be about <laughs> when you said you were in the seattle airport yeah how about the mayhem in that airport every time they fix it it gets worse oh boy it's, it, it's like i'm i i had a flight in there last week i guess when i was flying to go watch my son play soccer and the flight was at 5 30 a.m so oh. i get there at four and the security lines don't open till four i mean they they can't yeah. be open all the time but there had to be 250 people in the security line oh, at 4 a.m no. and i'm like those people that are manning and yeah. the gates you know, or like the security stations, the men and women standing there. I'm like, they must look at that line every morning and like, are you kidding me? No kidding. And you were jammed. Like it's a lot of people fly out of there. Yes, they but do. Every time they rearrange the security thing, it get honestly, it gets worse. It's like, I'm going to say that might be one of the toughest airports to, yeah. to get in and out of. And anytime you got to jump on a train then to get to your gate, uh... <laughs> You should see me get on those trains. I'm so nervous. Every time I get on, I'm like, am I really going the right way? I, I don't even really know. And I'm like, oh, Seagate's fantastic. Yeah, there we I can go. get off here. Time for headlines brought to you by Tim Hortons, where their holiday merchandise, Ray, is now available. Give the gift of a three-pack Tim-scented candle, apple fritter, French vanilla cappuccino, maple scents, Plus, you can pick up some hot chocolate ornaments as a fun gift to include with your holiday cards. So, all kinds of goodies. I like the maple. Maple sounds good there. The really? Maple sounds good to me. I, I mean, it yeah. all sounds good to me. Absolutely. But I, I'm, I think I'm a maple fan. That's mine. Okay. Well, you have to, when you're home for more than 24 hours, <laughs> yep. give it a try yep. between now and Christmas. Um, hey, the Oilers are back in headlines, right? The Edmonton Oilers are back in headlines. Five straight wins yep. for the Oil. Um, scored two goals in the first 41 seconds in that win last night. Zach Hyman with a hat trick. So look, at some point, we're probably going to stop paying as close attention to the Oilers and just let them breathe a little bit. But now that they've won five in a row, are you more convinced that uh, – they're they're settled in and they're headed in the right direction again. Well, I am, but you we're not going to be able to let go of the Oilers because when they go 15-4 and 1 and all of a sudden are pushing their way way up the Western Conference, I I how can you not talk about them? Like as bad Agreed. as the first yeah. 20 games were, the next 20 games are going to be good. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a good team. Yep. The the people that, and, and this is not revisionist history. I mean, we can go back through a, a few of our pods over the last month or so. And it it always felt as bad as it was. Like, this team is not that bad. They're, they're not that bad. I, I, I picked them for the Western Conference final um, at the start of the season. Mm -hmm. And for a month and a half, looked looked like they weren't going to be anything like they weren't going to get anywhere yeah and the team doesn't get that bad unless it has catastrophic injury and it didn't it just was really bad mm -hmm. and so 
We often talk about a hot team regressing to the mean. Well, how about a really good team that, whatever the opposite, what's the opposite? Uh, uh, progresses to the mean. Yeah. Like yeah. they're going to get to what they're supposed to be. That's why uh, the year is so bloody long. It, this is going to happen. And the Oilers are fine. And the, what happened? They changed the coach, right? And sometimes I guess the air needs to change. But it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that was the real issue. Yeah. However, we see lots of times new coach teams change mm-hmm. right away. The goalie started playing like an NHL goalie again. Yeah. He was a rookie of the year finalist yeah. last year. He didn't forget over the summer how to play the position. The best player in the world got healthy and got on track. Mm-hmm. The power play, which was historically great last year, found their waterline again. Mm-hmm. Darnell Nurse stopped trying to do everybody's job and just do his job. I think that's one of Darnell's biggest problems is that he tries so hard to be so much yeah. that it impacts his game negatively. And when he just settles into being himself, like what he can and can't do, he's a far more impactful player. Ekholm got healthy. Bouchard, I don't know what he was doing for the first month or so, but it looks like he's settled in. Mm-hmm. Like this team is a good team, and they're going to win a lot of games in the next twenty games. They, they, are You can just see it. Like the McLeod scored. Remember in the Dregs, we talked. Oh, I don't know in what podcast. Their bottom six had no goals, yeah. like none, not a few, yeah. none. McLeod scored in the first minute. Yeah, that uh, line a really was good, good last play from night. Fogel. Yeah, yeah, really good. And so, oh, gee, wait a minute, the team is starting to play. Maybe Kenny Holland isn't the the idiot that everybody made him out to be in Edmonton. In the and I know I'm biased because he's a friend of mine, but they put a team together that most people felt was going to be in the Western Conference Final, mm-hmm. whether they were or weren't. That's what most people felt. Yeah, and it's the same team, and I. We're not going to not talk about the Oilers because they're going to be interesting. Yeah. For, they're going to be interesting for the rest of the way because they've got to climb a lot of ground here and they've got to win a lot of games. And I think they will. All right. Well, uh, former Oiler Tyson Berry, unhappy, um, been healthy scratched in Nashville. And that's a first for him in his NHL career. And he comes out swinging publicly, um, which has annoyed Barry Trotz and management and coaching of the Nashville Predators. So why don't you get a thought on that scenario? And, and since we just talked about the Oilers, uh, the Broberg situation as well. He, he clearly wants mm-hmm. out and probably the best thing for him <laughs> developmentally, right? I mean, this kid was a top pick. And he just has not been given the runway in Edmonton to prove that he can be an NHL defenseman. So start with Broberg or Barry. It's up to you. Yeah, I'll go, um, I'll go alphabetically yeah, and okay. I'll go with Barry. Yeah. Which I'll help you out. It's okay. a before. Yeah. I get R, it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to help, you know, actually I had to think when I yes, said, alphabetically, did. I was like, <laughs> clicking. wait a minute. <laughs> Oops. Um, so, it, it never does you any good to take that public. It, it, it really doesn't help anybody. Um, the same channels can be created in, you know, through the manager's phone calls as it can by going out to have it go public. Um, 
do you put more pressure on the team? Yes and no, because the team still, they know you want to leave. You're a healthy scratch. Yeah. You haven't played that well, whatever it is. They want you to be in a different spot probably too, yet it does not help. No. And all it does is make everybody miserable for the week or two weeks or whatever it's going to be till they find a place. Don't forget, Tyson Berry makes five million bucks. Oof. Tyson's an awesome kid. Yeah. He really is. He's an awesome kid. And where he goes, he'll probably produce. But the same warts on his game are there. He's not a great defender, and he's never really going to be. So you've got to look for a team that can absorb that cap hit to make the deal. And going public doesn't make people have more money. No, They they just don't. Sometimes that deal is going to take time. I mean, it'll get done. Tyson yeah. will move to a new team and I think he'll help their power play and, and, but it'll take time. As for Broberg, he's in the type of scenario that is the absolute worst for a young defenseman. And that is that you're a high pick with potential to be a really good NHL defenseman with a team that is in a win now window. And so what you need is the room to make mistakes, to make, to have an average game and stay right back in there and play the next night 12 to 15 minutes all the time. Mm-hmm. Edmonton doesn't have that room. They, they just don't have that room to make that spot available for him. And so you don't get, everybody wants to play with confidence. How are you going to have confidence when you play six minutes then don't play for four, play 12 minutes, eight mm. minutes, nine minutes, out for three. Yeah. Like you, you don't get anything. You don't, you don't get anything from those games that you're playing. And it's a really hard spot. And yet for Edmonton, they don't want to move him because they drafted him high and they see potential in him. Mm. And if you trade him at, I don't know what he makes, I think he's on, is he still on his entry level? Yeah, it must be. Yeah, 860 um, something. Yeah. yeah, so they can't trade him for a $4 million player. No, no. And, and if you're trading a first round potential, you're going to get back a more accomplished player, but the money doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Get back another guy that makes 860 grand that's still trying to develop himself at the NHL level? What's the point of that? It's a really, it's a tough spot. It really is. It is. And, I, and I don't have a, an easy answer for it. Well, the Maple Leafs are still in the market and will be until they land a defenseman. And, I mean, Broberg isn't the right fit there. They need experience in Edmonton. It doesn't sound no. like Calgary is overly motivated to move Chris Tanoff anytime soon. And, and why would they? Let the market develop. You know, you're not doing Brad Trillivan. Oh, man, I would. Oh, well, sorry, Drake. No. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just saying you're not doing Trillivan no, a favor, gonna, uh, you know. No, no, you're not. And the longer Chris Tanev is in the lineup, yeah, the more some team is going to need him yes. somewhere else. Yeah. And so I'm holding on to Tanev if I can, as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. There seems like there's more churn around Chris Tanev than there is Noah Hannafin. Agreed. And Hannafin's a hell of a player. Yeah. Could it be you the, know, I, the money factor though, Ray? Could it be money? Like he pushed away from a sixty sure. million dollar extension in Calgary, you know. So he 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 has to be confident he's getting that somewhere else. 
if or when he's traded. Right. But then, so you have to look at, you're getting either player on a rental. Yeah. Because you might not want to, might not want to, or might not be able to sign Hannafin to that type of deal. Right. Well, right. First of all, you're not getting that type of deal because it's not going to be an eight-year deal, I guess, unless you trade for him, then you can sign him to eight years. Right, yeah. But uh, teams, teams are going to be reluctant to, to make that commitment, right? Yeah, yeah. So you, you have in Hannafin a younger, more mobile, um, more offensive defenseman, even though I don't think Hannafin's got the offense that people thought he might have yeah. when he got drafted. Um, you know, he was, dra- I think he was, I think Hannafin was the fourth pick in the draft, his draft here. And, um, uh, Zach Wierenski went eight. Um, uh, Wierenski's, uh, you know, has more offensive game. Hannafin's got size and mobility and he's a better defender, but there's way more talk around Chris Tanev than there is. There is around Hannafin. Doesn't mean Hannafin won't go first. No. But, um, Craig Conroy sitting there with, yeah. with two really desirable assets. And it's not going to be easy for Toronto just to go out and no. find a defenseman, although they do have now money because of with Klingberg. the Klingberg LTI. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Well, and I look at Philadelphia. We've talked about the Flyers a bit too, and, and undoubtedly Toronto is is talking to Philadelphia. I mean, is it Nick Sealer, Sean Walker, maybe both? Uh, Ristolainen has term left on his on his deal, so that's probably not a fit for the Maple Leafs. But Philadelphia is telling teams, and Toronto, I'm sure, has been told this: we'll retain money. You just have to pay for it. <laughs> you gotta, you know, we're in right. the market for first round picks in Philadelphia. That's what we're in the market for. So you want two of our uh, top D? No problem. You can have them. It's just going to cost you a first round draft pick as part of the deal. And, you know, and Toronto's not sitting there with a whole bunch of prospects they no, can trade. No. Um, you, you know, like if you're, if you're a Leaf fan and you're really excited about Fraser Minton, well, so are the Flyers. Yep. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Like there, yeah. the, there's no secrets. So <laughs> the, the assets you don't want to move are the ones that they want. And that, that really makes the challenge for the GMs yeah. increase because those prospects that you already have, clearly they're advanced over a draft pick that you don't have yet. And you, I mean, you can't wait forever. No. And those, those players, those a prospects are going to be every bit as much in the mix as a, as a undrafted first rounder. All right, let's wrap up headlines with some board of governors stuff from Seattle the last couple of days. And, you know, most often when the owners and the governors get together, it's, it's more business, right? They're looking at, you know, what's going on with the Arizona Coyotes? They're getting their business reports. They're getting their safety reports, all of that stuff. And and that was a big part of the agenda this week in Seattle. Um, but there were a couple of things that are noteworthy. One that kind of slipped under the radar, which we rolled out on Tuesday, was the tweaking of the All-Star skills. I don't invest in All-Star Weekend. I appreciate it. It's a spectacle for the fans, right? And and to some degree for the sponsors of the National Hockey League. So, okay, make it into an event. Enjoy it. I, I don't happen to like it, but it's not for me. It's for the fans. They, they've tweaked the skills competition this year, Ray. And I think you're going to be interested in this. So as, as a better forward in the NHL, yeah. okay, you're going to the All-Star. Um, 
There's going to be eight events inside the skills competition. You get to pick which six you're going to participate in. It's all points driven. And the player that finishes with the most points is crowned the champion and gets a seven-figure payout for winning the skills competition. So a million bucks. It's not a bad deal. It's not a bad deal. Yeah. Do they have... When you... When you said that, you know, he's the champion, I hope they have a throne <laughs> that he has to ascend upon. You are and the they king. drop a crown on his <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? You're sitting there and they doing you're the you're the king. Okay, but for a million bucks, you're gonna try, right? Yeah. Like that's always been the knock of the all-stars that nobody really now the skills competition is different because it's it's an individual event. But with a million dollars on the line, I mean you're gunning so it on the, the fastest player, skater. Hmm? Yeah. But the player gets the million dollars or apparently so a team gets a no, million. No, the individual wow. who wins the skills competition. And I was corrected. I okay, said, so, so we're here's, talking. It would be my question. <laughs> you go, you go. Sorry, no, we got I, a delay here. Go ahead. I, I said, I, I, I had to, to correct myself because when I was poking around on it, um, I said, you know, a good amount of money and and my source says yeah a lot of money and i'm like like a couple hundred thousand like and he said no no seven figures <laughs> so it's it's worth trying for okay so but just think of how strategic you're going to be like <laughs> so it, it you know what could happen you could get to the fastest skater and mcdavid sign do i i'm picturing an entry sheet like in elementary school where you go and sign your name for your event and McDavid signs his name for the fastest skater, and yeah. no one else signs up for that event. <laughs> He's out there by himself. <laughs> well, they should make each guy. Uh, so this it could be fun. Yeah. It could be. They shouldn't, but you shouldn't be allowed to handpick your six events. Maybe you pick four of them, but you have to participate in two. That okay? Maybe you don't have the hardest shot in the league, but you've got to try. You know what I'm? Because if 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 you're hand picking the six you're participating in maybe it does tip the scale in favor of one guy so we'll see yeah that'll be interesting i mean it's the the one thing i would not that they've ever asked or would ever ask but the one thing i would say to the league is you got to remember it's not just for the seventeen thousand people that are in the building there's people watching this on tv right it's got to move yeah like the 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 setup stuff has got to be minimal. It's got to be able to go like from place to place to place more quickly. And the more and the quicker you can do it, the the better it'll be. It'll mm-hmm. they'll have better pace to it. And it's supposed to be fun, so make it fun. Our interviews on Rain Regs are brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey, introducing the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC fifteen year old Sherry Cask. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. All right, great to be joined on the Rain Drakes Hockey Podcast by Andrew Raycroft, who is now an analyst with Nesson covering the Boston Bruins. And uh, why don't we start with the Bruins and, you know, how well they've played to this point of the season. 24 games in, Razor, and neck and neck with the New York Rangers for top spot in the Eastern Conference. If you look back at this year, maybe even go back to the offseason, with all of the changes and the turnover and the transition to newer, younger players, uh, could you have made the bold prediction that the Bruins would be in the spot that they're in today? 
Not, not like this. No, not like this. I, I, I honestly didn't see a drop off of like 75 points. I, I thought they were still going to compete. They have great defense. They had great goaltenders, but what the center position looked like was going to be the big question. And you had Zach and Coyle, and they were great in the playoffs last season. They were the two top centers when the Bruins got up 3-1 on the Florida Panthers. So, again, why there wouldn't be a drop-off to, to 75 points, but yeah. who is going to be the other centers? Yeah. And for me, my big thing was who is going to be Thomas Nosek. Thomas Nosek was so good for this Bruins mm. team. He took every penalty kill face-off. Yeah was first over the boards a lot last season, not Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. It was, it was Thomas Nosek. And who was going to be that? That was my big concern, especially as a former goalie. Who's going to play defense for me? And with the rise of Matt Patra and John Beecher, it, it's been the game changer for the Bruins. And, and now you're looking at the next five, seven years with the four centers that they have right now. And, and that's really been the game changer um, and something that I didn't see coming. And that's turned them now into a 110 point team rather mm -hmm. than a team that's fighting for the eighth playoff spot. Yeah. I Razor, I, all that makes so much sense. You know, yet when I looked at it, you know, you said as a goalie, you wanted to know who was going to kill penalties. I'm, I'm thinking about it a little <laughs> different when I look at the Bruins and I'm like, how is their power play going to work? Like, who is going to possibly score? How's Marchand, and to a lesser extent, or maybe greater extent, I guess, DeBrusque going to be able to provide offense without centermen that know how to get the puck out to them? And, and so I thought they dropped 35 points this year. Like, they had 135 last year. I'm like, I think they're a 100-point team. That's a lot of points. But maybe the defense and the goalies are, are that good. Is that... Is that such a foundation that mm -hmm. that really is what pushes them? Because they they don't look like they don't look any different, really. No, they don't, and, and yeah, it is. It really is what's pushing them. Uh, you look at their metrics, and you look at dig into some of their you, you look at the rush chances that they've given up this season, and it's been the goaltenders that have got them through. And I think you look around the league, and you look at the top teams. They all have great D. They all have two great goaltenders, or very good goaltenders at worst. Mm. Uh, that and uh, I overlooked it too. I've overlooked it the last couple of years, and I thought about it a lot more the first twenty games. Looking at these, the New York Rangers. If John Quick isn't lights out, then they have three more losses. Yeah, right. Mm. It's it's so imperative to have that second goaltender get you those 10, 15 points a season that the bad team doesn't get. And uh, that's what the Bruins have gotten. I think that consistency on the back end, the consistency in goal, especially early in the season, you, you gain those four, five, seven extra points that put you ahead of everyone else and take you out of the playoff dogfight. Well, we're going to get to the goaltending with you because um, it's all over the map uh, it is. Yeah. In, in, the, in the National Hockey League this year. I want to ask you one more about the, the Bruins, uh, well, for me anyway, is that uh, Jim Montgomery talked about someone who gets zeroing, in, and that's Brandon Carlo, and how important he's become, as everybody talks about McAvoy. And, man, I was at Matt Lorai's NHL debut. I'm like, oh, my God, that kid's a player. <laughs> it's not going to be right away, but that kid's a player. Brandon Carlo just kind of like he's in like his ninth year or something, right? And it's like he just does the same thing all the time. And teams love these big, tall, right-handed guys. Nobody has them. Mm -hmm. And the Bruins have one 
right there. He's so underappreciated, and and he is. I, I, obviously, you are taking uh, an interest in him, and and I think it's starting to come a little bit. But just add on to that, and of course, as we're talking about players, it's not always fair. But he's a four million dollar guy. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> he's right. making four mil. Like so, he's such a cap friendly person. On top of all of that. But he's brought his game to another level this season as well. And, and rightly so, he should be talked about because he's been the most, he's probably been the most consistent. Even Charlie McAvoy, he missed four games with a suspension. So he's, you know, there's probably six games where he wasn't a factor, where Carlo's been a factor in almost every game, maybe one or two, where, where he didn't change the tenor. And, and I think you saw that, especially in Toronto this past weekend. Hockey night can't. When he plays the Leafs, you really recognize how important he is, how he's able to close space. And even though he's a big guy, it's not like Marner can buzz around him. He's able to take space and use his size. And he's a very, very valuable piece, not just five on five, not just penalty kill, but five on five. And he's shooting the puck a little bit more this season. He's trying to jump into the rush and add a little bit of offense. Mm -hmm. And if he chips in a little bit there, it's 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 an absolute no-brainer. So he really does deserve a lot of credit on the back end for being as consistent and understanding his game as well as he does. Okay, maybe maybe I did have one more. How much does Jim Montgomery <laughs> mean to all of this? Well, I think it's funny because last year he came in and Patrice was here and Krejci were here and it was – oh, he was just kind of – I think almost purposely took a back seat to everybody, especially coming off Bruce Cassidy, who was yeah. challenging people in the media consistently. Uh, this year, it's a little different. His tenor's a little different. I think he's trying to, uh, and of course, with the playoff loss, I think he's he, he's trying to focus the guys a little bit more. He's trying to push a little bit more. And it, so it is a little bit of a different vibe, but... And, and I think in a good way, mm-hmm. I think he's recognized that. And I think that's what makes him a good coach yeah. is that he isn't stuck to doing one thing. He's mm-hmm. very open, very receptive. And, and that's what the players appreciate. And, and they also appreciate his, his, just his hockey sense. He, he's changing lines. He's putting guys in certain situations. And now, now you're really seeing it with the young guys and how he's developing Patra and Beecher mm-hmm. and Lowry for that matter. So, so no, a lot of credit goes to Jim Montgomery and, and the rest of the coaching staff. Andrew Raycroft joining us on the Rain Dregs podcast. And uh, as Ray alluded to, Andrew, I mean, you, you touched on Jonathan Quick and the New York Rangers, but there have been some bizarre goaltending scenarios. And, and to some extreme, they still exist. I mean, Stu Skinner, the Edmonton Oilers are definitely back on track now with five straight wins. Um, Ottawa, last couple of games, their goaltending has been better, but it's been a question mark all year. New Jersey's goaltending, a big question mark. Is there one team or a few teams where you're looking at that goaltending and going, it just doesn't make sense why they're not playing better? Well, New Jersey's interesting it, and, and not so much because I, I think they should be playing better. I just thought if you have that kind of a team to not to go with Schmid was a gamble. And and right now it's it's not paying off. Vanacek's very serviceable, but he also probably played a little bit over his skis last season, uh, going into a new situation, not a lot of expectations any over. And now you have expectations and Schmid never really playing a full NHL season. Of course, he had right. lightning in a bottle for two weeks in the playoffs. But how many times have we seen that 
in the history of the National Hockey League. It's a different animal uh, when you go into a regular season with expectations. And I think we saw that in Buffalo, too. I didn't understand the Buffalo situation. I, I, Devin Levi is going to be an amazing goaltender and, and has all the talent yeah. in the world. But it's not the same as coming out of college and playing five kind of meaningless games. Yeah, they went on a run and they got one point, but they were never really threatening the playoffs. And, and I know they won the last three to get close, but it wasn't the same. And to go into this regular season and talk about making playoffs and talk about making a jump with Devin Levi, Comrie, and UPL, yeah. it, 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 that I think we see what happened. Like I expected that. And I, I feel like New Jersey is a little bit the same where you're mm. challenging for, you're talking about Stanley cup and you have those two guys. I, I just feel like you need a bit of a veteran presence, even if it's a backup guy, even if it's a John quick type guy, think about how much further ahead New Jersey would be if they had that guy around. So I think those are the Buffalo and New Jersey are the two that, that maybe aren't surprising, but were surprising decisions going into the season. Uh, I, I did a game last week in Carolina and um, now Freddie Anderson's out for, I think, well, I, I'm no doctor. He's out for a long time yeah. uh, with these blood clots and things. Yeah. Um, so Auntie Rant has got a history of, you know, of, of injury. He can't play a whole lot. Peter Kochetkov is just a young kid. So I go in there, Razor, and they had, <laughs> he had, Ranta had just given up eight on 14 shots and they lose to Tampa. Kochetkov plays against the Islanders. He gives up five on 16, and they lose. And then last night in Edmonton, they gave up, I don't know, six on three shots. I mean, like it was <laughs> like when you're, when you're the goalie, like you know everybody's staring at you, right? Like yeah. how – and everyone's telling you, oh, just relax, just play your game. Like how do you, is that even possible? No, it's, it's impossible because exactly. You have 20 guys. Let it – the noise outside of the room is one thing, but when you have the 20 guys looking around, you know, of course, you're your goal. Like, do, you feel, do you feel it? Like, do you... Oh, a, a million percent. And, and, and you, that makes you, just like a goal score, it makes you grind your stick. It makes you turn it to dust. It makes you try too hard. It makes you, that's, that's what happens is you're in the room. And then at practice, when you give up a goal that, that's in the three-on-two drill that's a little suspect, you feel that. The rest of the afternoon as well like everything starts carrying over and everything starts to snowball and build up and that's why you see guys it, it it's not a matter of their talent changing they just get a change of scenery and a different vibe and a different person around them and and things change and that that's the carolina see i love kochekov i really do mm. i would love to see him just give them the ball but it's almost gotten to the point now there where they they miss the boat maybe yeah. And that would be terrible for him because, again, you could have let him run last year. He was mm -hmm. awesome last season. You could have let him run. And now with a little bit of struggles and Freddie out and who's this. And so that Carolina is another really good example of they ran it back and maybe, you know, a change of scenery for, for one of those guys or someone else to come into Carolina because it should be an easy place to play, right, guys? Like Carolina mm – -hmm. New Jersey's tough, yeah. Buffalo's tough, but Carolina should be an easy place to play. And you should be able to pick off a few, you know, three on 24 type yeah. wins on a consistent <laughs> basis. Now, let me ask you about, uh, you know, because I did the, um, the game in Vancouver the other night. Vanacek played and it was like a rebound machine, like, you know, like one of those rebounders in practice. It just kept hitting them and bouncing into the slot. And so as I'm watching the game, I'm like, I wonder if he's so 
tense that everything hits him and bounces away. Like, is that a thing too? Because he didn't Ab- control anything. Absolutely. That's, that's the, the number one sign of someone grinding uh, where you're just, you're, you're hanging on to make one save. You're not thinking about the next one or the next one where uh, Shesterkin, Demko down at the other end, they're playing, they're playing chess. Uh, they're, they're three moves ahead. They're three saves ahead. There were, you know, they're already planning where the rebound's going to go, where down at the other end, you're just, don't give this up. Don't give this up. And, and that's, again, that's a symptom of that grind that guys can get into. And, and that's where, you know, playing the puck gets difficult and making a rebound, you know, putting the rebound in the right spot gets difficult. So it's, it's definitely a sign if you're watching a game, Stuart Skinner at times kicks him out, right? Like that, when he's struggling, it's the second and third opportunity on a shift that ends up getting guys uh, when they are having a trouble. You know, Andrew, there, there are managers, general managers out there who are worried longer term about what they see developmentally in goaltending and the fact that they think that maybe that pool is getting more shallow that the the talent group is is thinner than it's been in a long long while do you have a sense of that or is it just how the game has maybe changed that has impacted the goaltending pool no i think it's i think it's the game i i think goaltenders i mean they're as athletic and as big and as strong and, and can move as well as anyone but I sit down on the glass. I was down on the glass for the Bruins and the Rangers a couple Saturdays ago at MSG. And you got Allmark and you got Quick. And they're, lo- they're giving up 12 goals on like 60 shots. And it could have been 25 goals. I mean, the skill level and the difficulty of playing that position in this game now is so high. Uh, the skill level of the kids at 14 years old uh, 17 years old, now 27 years old. And then on top of that, the power plays. I mean, everybody's power play clicks at 30% now. Yeah, and yeah. there's seven of them every game. So, <laughs> so no, I think, I, I, of course, you need to, I, I think there is a, something to be said about the mentality of goaltenders. And you don't have a lot of these, the alpha dog, Patrick Waz, Marty Brodeurs, yeah. Carrie Price's, <laughs> right. uh, Jordan Bennington's. I think there's a lot of that that's gone, and that concerns me a little bit. I think you want a goalie that's mean mm. to a point to win to win Stanley Cups. You go all the, like you ask anyone. Marty wasn't the you know Patrick. Uh, these guys were kind of prickly especially come playoff time and, and they weren't walking their cats. Uh, they weren't on social media. They, you, you need like, so I, I miss that. And I, I'm concerned about that, but I think the skill level of goaltenders in general, like you're just going to see save percentages go down here for a little while because of the skill level and the power plays that are in the national hockey league. So what's a, what's a good number these days? I mean, I, it seems like yesterday everybody was nine twenty three and nine eighteen, <laughs> and now it's like there's a there's a bunch of eight ninety something or others <laughs> yes, in there. there it seems like it that's kind of closer to the average. Well, I would say I think it's the timing of it, um, I, and I think you need two goalies. You, you need two guys that the team believes in because to have to play fifty seven games or sixty three games with a nine thirty is just pretty unsustainable because you're going to get those eight on 16 games if you play enough games and you're tired. If you're tired one night in the national hockey league, now forget it. 
and you go even if you're mm. playing San Jose, right? Like if you're tired, you can San Jose put six on New Jersey. Like it, it can happen and it can get away from you quickly. So I think it's the two goalies you need to have to to stay fresh. And then I would say, come playoff time, you, you need to be Aiden Hill and just just have your nine thirty in the right three weeks of the season. Don't have it at the start. Have it at the end. Terrific stuff, Andrew. Thanks for doing this. Uh, The Bruins have been a great story to this point of the NHL regular season. So maybe we'll check back in on you later in the year. Anytime. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Happy. Thanks, Razor. Appreciate it. Got it. it. Good to see you guys. Occasionally, Ray, we'll talk about goaltending on the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast. And I mean, okay, we... You know, the puck goes in the net too many times. You look at goaltending. Um, you know, when teams sag, and a number of them have to this point of the regular season, often goaltending is one of the reasons, along with porous defense, lack of offense, all of that stuff. So having Andrew Raycroft was timely because the one thing you have to admit when it comes to analysts, it seems like the centers and the goaltenders always have that kind of sharp perspective. Yeah, and it's surprising because the the centers are the smart guys, right? Like the goalies, we know they're a little different. But maybe they're opinionated because they just stand back there by themselves anyway. Yeah. And they got lots of time to talk to themselves because you can't talk to them on game days or, (laughs) you know, like so maybe they have lots of time to form their opinion. But it's so interesting because they view the game completely differently than, than everybody else. And I, like, he Andrew made one point, like, you know, you give up a lousy goal on a three-on-two drill in practice, and one thing snows snowballs into another, and I yeah. never even thought of that. That yet, as he said it, I was thinking back to practice of when when a goalie is getting ventilated at practice, like somebody <laughs> used to always yell, like, hey, it's not a coal bin, empty out all the black things behind you. <laughs> like guys would be all over the guy, right? And, and you know, you'd look and there'd be one net that would have like a few pucks in it and the other net was filled. Yeah. And like, you know, this guy must be back there like losing his mind <laughs> because he can't stop anything. And there's nobody to help him. Yeah. Like he doesn't have a winger to help him. Uh, a bad goal goes in. Everybody's looking back at the net, you know, like, come on, man, you got to have that. And it's, uh, it's so critically important to your team. Like I think we've seen, you don't need to have the best goalie, but you can't be in, Right. in the bottom end of the goaltending department. If you are, you're just, you just can't compete. And um, I found it interesting that as well, the, the difference between, he brings up Marty Brodeur and Patrick Waugh and how those guys could be a little prickly on yeah. game days, yeah. especially around playoffs. And the fact that guys can't play 60 games anymore because of the pace and speed of the game. Yeah. And it's almost like starting pitching in baseball. They used to pitch seven, eight, nine innings. Yeah. A lot of the time. Now it's six innings in the row. Yeah. And so the evolution of the way athletes think and the what they can handle physically has changed. And that means in hockey, you need two goalies. Mm-hmm. You need to yeah. have them. So just at the NHL level, that's 64 goalies. <laughs> it's a lot. Most teams want three. Yeah. Now you're at, now if yeah. you got, if you got three, now you're at 96. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's not it's not possible. And so there's going to be some teams that get on the musical chairs that get left out here of a, of a legit goaltending tandem. 
All right, get through this Thursday. Uh, what's your weekend look like? Nice and quiet, or just jam solid as? Well? Yeah, yeah, it is. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm in Washington today for Dallas. Yeah, fly home tomorrow. Nice. And then Monday, um, I'm, I'm flying to Edmonton. I'm sure Ryan is. Oh. You know, Rashog's obviously. Yeah. Planning on some kind of celebration or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because he's big on that. Yeah. Maybe he'll have you so on the Got I'll Your Back podcast or something. No. Could be, you know. <laughs> have you been asked lately? I haven't. I used to do it and, regularly. Um, yeah. Me neither. Never. <laughs> and so I got the Blackhawks in there on Tuesday. Connor Bedard making his nice. first swing out west. So um, we'll, I'll be in there on Tuesday. So pretty simple weekend. You? Yeah. You're in Ottawa today. I'm in Ottawa today. The Leafs and um, the Ottawa Senators in a dual regional coverage in both the Ottawa region and the Leafs region. Hence, the entire panel is uh, in the nation's capital. But no, beyond that, yeah, it's been a busy week on the road. I'm kind of out of touch. I, I, I don't travel nearly as much as I used to. So this has been a little unnerving for me this week. So looking forward to getting back home and doing very little this weekend. So that'll be that. So you're in the hotel in Ottawa. And they a few years ago, I don't know how many years, they put in these new elevators that yeah. don't have any buttons. Yeah. Yeah. inside yeah and so i was checking in i was in a rush and the <laughs> and the person at the desk said uh we've got new elevators do you know how to handle do you know how to put your floor in i'm like yeah 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 i got, I got it i got it but i wasn't really listening that they were new yeah so i walk around the corner i get in the elevator there's no buttons yeah <laughs> you've got to enter your floor outside, outside on the keypad. Yes. so i get in the doors close the doors open up i'm still there so, of course, you know, I'm handling this quite well. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And so I, the doors close again. <laughs> they open up a second time. I'm still in the lobby. So I, I get off. There's nobody there. I go back to the desk. I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to work the elevator. It's an ordeal, so man. comes out. Oh, but it's so simple, right? You just enter your floor. But I, I was too much of a rush i'm like no i know how to work the elevator i'm mr travel guy i didn't know how to work the elevator no no idea all right buddy well safe travels home and uh, enjoy some rest this weekend yep, yep. thanks everybody thanks for listening uh, thanks to andrew raycroft and mm-hmm. uh, enjoy your weekend we'll talk to you next week and thank you to our sponsors who make ray and Greg's possible that's our title sponsor canadian club whiskey and tim hortons and Thank you for listening, rating, and sharing the podcast. And, of course, for all of you following us on the Rain Regs YouTube channel as well. Until next time, stay safe, everybody.